0: like to acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording as its original custodians, along with their customs, traditions, and their special relationship with the land. Weird. I do have a Space Jam t-shirt.
1: And you're not wearing
2: it.
0: BRB. Come on, you're going to turn up. Welcome to Switched On, an entertainment podcast by Swinburne University's The Standard. I'm your host, Penny Watt, and today we are talking about movies from the year 1996, which are hitting their 25th anniversary. My guests today are Eddie Russell, music editor for The Standard, and Lachlan Marriott, Standard reporter and friend of the show gentlemen thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah well we've got a few movies to get through. I know Train Spotting is going to be like the big one so we'll try and save that until last. So first things first 1996 we were all not born Uh, but a lot of great movies came out. Let's talk about Romeo and Juliet because there's been a lot of different versions of Romeo and Juliet that have come out over the years oh my gosh okay you guys can't see this but Eddie is literally wearing a, a shirt or is that a jumper with Leonardo DiCaprio what, on it type,
2: I don't know it's whatever uh, it is it's cool that's yeah, awesome
0: it's you're obviously a big fan of the movie
2: yeah yeah when we first I like, had to watch it for year nine English and analyze it no it was just you know a bit of an awakening I just thought it was the coolest thing ever
0: what makes it so cool like why why is that version of Romeo and Juliet, why is that a standout compared to other versions?
2: I mean, bringing it to the, not quite the 21st century, but the, you know. Modern bring day, it to like, modern day. Yeah, bring it to like modern day, you know, in ways we can understand it. It's set in like a very, you know, it's very much a um, parody of LA and it's kind of like two gangs and it's just very like visual, the colours of the whole movie. And, uh, yeah. It's quite striking. It's quite spectacular.
1: Yeah, I think that's Baz Luhrmann sort of doing his thing there a bit. Like he's yeah. just so good at making that. It was It's already a fantastical sort of out there play, but Baz Luhrmann just takes it to that next step. And it just works so well, I think.
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, I remember when we'd be analysing it in English, it was very surface level because it was year nine, but everything was about the colour and what that meant. And it was just, you know, it was quite satisfying. It was like aesthetically pleasing. So, mm. you know. That, that was kind of what took me first, that's for sure.
0: Didn't the um, main actors, the, like, lead to not like each other or was that just some sort of rumour I read on the internet?
2: Oh, I, like, I think that it was Claire Danes was playing Juliet. Yeah. And I think that she was quite, like, infatuated with it, it was, like, Leonardo DiCaprio. I think he
0: Oh.
2: wasn't, like, it, not not receptive, but I just don't know if he, you know,
0: felt the same. Oh really? Because I thought the whole yeah, thing yeah. was that she didn't like him because he was like goofing around on set and she was like like I'm professional, even though she was like 17 or something.
2: Oh uh, that and that could be true.
0: Was not she underage? Yeah. I mean it would have been a bit weird if they were together.
2: Yeah, that's right. Although I don't know, he, he couldn't have been that old. Um
0: 96.
2: It no, couldn't yeah, have been that old. But, could he? When when was um, when was eating Gilbert Gray? Because I feel like he was pretty young in that. And I feel like that was the 90s as well.
0: I (laughs) I know. I think he was 22 for Titanic and that was 1997. So I think he was 21 maybe for Romeo and Juliet.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Have you guys um, seen Titanic? Because I watched it for the first time literally a week or two ago. And I have to say it was probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I watched
2: it, I reckon, when I was nine by accident. Like my cousins, my older cousins were watching it. And I was just like, you know, we're at our holiday house. I kind of watched it with them. And I don't think I've watched
1: it since. Or if I have it's been in pieces. So I kind of comment. Yeah. It's one of those movies that I don't think I've ever watched, but you just get all the references from. There's plenty of movies that you just get references even though you've never seen it once.
0: Yeah, that's so true. There's so many quotes from that movie. I think it was just so terrible. Like, and I know Leonardo DiCaprio, he's a good actor. Like he's been in some really great stuff, but for some reason, he just the acting, him and Kate Winslet, was just horrific in that movie. I couldn't like. I literally stopped it halfway and walked out.
2: I love Kate Winslet. She's incredible. As in, like you know, but that, if that was a pretty poor performance, then I won't go back to it.
0: Oh, she was good in um, Sense and Sensibility. Have you seen Sense and Sensibility?
2: No, I think the last movie I would have watched that she was in would have been Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I, think. I
0: haven't seen it's it. Fantastic. Is that good?
2: It's so it's unreal. Yeah. It, um, it's quite existential and it can, it can be a little, not bleak, but um, yeah, philosophical, but it's a great movie. And it, Jim Carrey as a serious actor is, that's a great movie.
0: Solid. Okay. The next movie I want to talk about is another movie that I think is not very good, but I'll, I'll hear about what you guys think. Um, Independence Day. Have you guys seen that?
1: Ooh, I don't think I've seen that.
0: It's, oh, it's bad. It's it's got a stacked cast. I think Will Smith is the lead, and I thought it was going to be really good because Will Smith is a legend. But it was just Mm. so bad. It's about aliens uh, coming to Earth, and it was like the biggest movie of 1996. Like it won. I know it didn't win, but it got like the um, box office. Like it ramped up so much money.
2: I think there's that famous speech by like the president um, in that. That's really like patriotic. Will Smith's in a lot, he's like a really great actor in a lot of very average movies.
0: That, my gosh, that's literally. Because
2: he's, he's an action star at the end of the day. Like that's what um, kind of you know, defining movies are, even though he's really great. And, you know, in most uh, uh, movies, he'll turn out a great performance, but a lot of them aren't that critically acclaimed.
1: Oh, his best performance has to be Pursuit of Happiness though that's that was oh my
0: gosh that was yeah. a really good movie yeah i was like crying by the end yeah. of it i watched it on a camp yeah. in year 10 when we did um i think it was like a homelessness like winter sleep out camp and we watched that movie and it was like the most depressing thing ever and then we had to yeah. sleep in the school it was so sad
1: that scene at the end where he gets given the five dollar note back when he gets the job it just gets me every time
0: yeah that is such an amazing movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, I just think Independence Day was terrible. And who was the guy that played the president? Um, I know him. He's from While You Were Sleeping, which is, like, one of my favourite rom-coms. But I can't remember what his name is. It's Bill someone. But I don't think he was the right pick. They Bill random. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think he was the wrong pick for the president. And, like, the whole spaceship thing was so unrealistic like it wasn't comedy but it wasn't like a sci-fi it was just like this weird movie it was so strange.
2: I feel like bad action movies are a bit of a hallmark of 1996 especially when you go through IMDB and it's just a very like cliched a lot of action not a lot of substance that type of thing.
0: That's so true I was looking at movies that came out in 1996 and I was like these are like mostly like these action movies that I haven't seen like a whole heap um but Mission Impossible came out in 1996 let's talk about that
2: very good I was about to bring that up uh I love that movie and I was obsessed with it as a kid and so and that's uh, that's the one that's iconic and and, you know another one that that permeates kind of pop culture whereas you don't you don't have to have seen it to know a lot of the references yeah you know without having to touch the floor and Oh, and the masks and all that kind of stuff and the theme song, it's fantastic. I was going to say, I think like,
1: that theme song's probably one of the most recognisable theme songs of any piece of pop culture, surely.
0: Oh, yeah. surely, yeah. its I knew, I actually still haven't seen Mission Impossible. And you know why? It's because on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like 66%. And I was like, why is it rated so averagely if it's such an iconic film, you know? And like um, Tom Cruise did all his own stunts as well.
2: Sometimes the critics, they don't always get it right. I think everyone understands that it's, it's definitely one you just have to watch for the spectacle but it's just a great spy movie you know like I, I don't know yeah I'm with you I don't know why it got um treated so harshly maybe I was a little bit bedazzled by it but
0: I, I still want bad. to watch it just for this scene the scene where he like drops with the um what's it the lasers or whatever I want to see that scene oh, yeah
1: probably the second biggest spy movie franchise behind James Bond.
0: Yeah, James Bond I do not want to see but Mission Impossible I do, especially as Tom Cruise does his own stunts. So and what was the one um there's a photo of him on the top of some really really high what is it Mission what is that photo?
2: The tallest building in the world. Yeah.
0: And he's just chilling yeah. there like like just chilling.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. No, he hangs out of a plane in one of them. Um I just watched the newest one the other day. Um which I Think was Fallout when that was like Henry Cavill was the um the kind of bad oh, guy, yeah. When he's with the mu- the whole mustache thing, the Superman, like they CGI'd his mustache out that was a whole other thing. What, but, but wait, after, hang on, hang on, hang
0: on, go back. What they CGI'd out his mustache? I
2: think when they were filming one of the Superman movies, I, I don't follow it too closely. Uh, I think it was the um the Justice League One, and because Henry Cavill in this Mission Impossible movie has a big, thick like mustache kind of like starlin like a really bushy one there and instead of shaving it they kind of like cgi over it in superman and like as superman and it's it's like really noticeable i think it it got a lot of media attention anyway it was quite funny yeah that was really good and tom cruise broke his foot or his ankle doing a stunt in that and you hear him like yell (gasps) and that was like the real footage he jumps from one <gasps> high rise to the other and just like smashes. Directors like,
0: like yes, <laughs> realism. Yeah, and,
2: and then you see him running like and he's limping and it's like wow, it's great dedication and you realise that's probably him running on a broken ankle. Oh my
0: gosh, the guy yeah. is so crazy. I mean, good on him, but like that is full on.
2: Yeah, kind of you know another piece of the puzzle to the whole Scientology thing
0: yeah I watched a documentary on Scientology actually it was super interesting but super scary oh my gosh I'm glad it's not too big in Australia at least I don't think it is
2: there's a Scientology like HQ building near where I live <gasps> it's in Greeny Ponds off Mount Alexander Road uh, for all you listening back home <laughs> and some of my mates went there one day and just said it was just the spookiest shit they went I in yeah, like just, you know, just suss it out and see how culty it was and they came out and was like, I'm I'm like never getting my phone number out again because I'm scared they'll track me down. So Were there people yeah. in there was it empty? They had a guided tour. They came out of it and I was like, You guys, you're not you know, you're you're not gonna make it. They know you now. It's like a soft sell thing. i start contacting you and then they'll rope you in and they'll get photos of you and stuff. So yeah, Scientology is alive and well in Melbourne and terrorizing the streets of middle class Northwest Melbourne.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so bad. Um, that's yeah. terrifying. Another movie that came out in 1996. Now, this movie seems like a fever dream to me. James and the Giant Peach. Do you guys ever watch that? Is that the. Uh...
1: The the like half animated one.
0: Yeah, it's like, like um. Tim, is it
1: Tim Burton? It looks like a Tim Burton.
0: It, film. Well, certain like is that certain vibe to it? I think it's like yeah. that plasticine kind of stop motion kind of thing. That was a weird film.
1: Oh yeah, but I think it's it's a roll dial book. Like they're always going to be slightly strange, weird, and done yeah. up. And yeah, same as me. It feels like a fever dream to me. I haven't seen that movie in a while, but it's uh. I mean, that's how I remember it, very Tim Burton style. I suppose Tim Burton was probably just, oh, it's been around for a bit in 1996.
2: He did Beetlejuice, which is like the late 80s. So it's been around for a bit. I think think it was the
1: late 80s. Beetlejuice, and and he did The Night Before Christmas. Yeah, which always
0: gave me weird vibes as well. (laughs) Like, this is just so weird.
1: I suppose, how many others, like, of that style of movie were out in that, in like in the nineties. I suppose they, they feel like they came later. Coraline and Frankenweenie and, and all those two thousands. I saw two thousands. They're all two thousand. So mm. I guess it's almost the first really well that and the nightmare before Christmas, the other movies I've seen yeah. like that that early.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. That style is so weird. Oh, you know what though? Okay, before that was like Wallace and Gromit. That was kind of like Plasticine stop motion. And that that wasn't that same creepy vibe, but the one where they go to the moon always gave me, like, nightmares. It was, like, silent.
2: Oh, I was always freaked out by the penguin. Like, the evil penguin. Oh, with the the glove on his head? The glove on his head. Wolves and Gromit was a serious (laughs) drama. Oh, yeah. So entertaining. Oh, no, I watched it with my brothers the other day because they're only starting primary school and it was on TV. I said, I remember this. I was watching it. I was like, God, this is (laughs) griffing. Like, I was really into it. I don't know if that's a bit of nostalgia value, but it was... Like really It wasn't just a kid's animation.
0: It's so good. The movie, the the Web the were Rabbit movie was like yeah. that was a family classic.
2: Oh uh, uh, yeah. It was a cinema experience. <laughs> I don't think I've watched it again. It kind of faded from my memory. I think they added it to Netflix or Stan or one of those not too long ago.
0: <laughs> but like uh, why would you go out of your way to watch Wallace and Gromit, the <laughs> wear bunny on Netflix?
2: Yeah. You know why do that at all? <laughs> 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 I totally. I'm too old and mature for that. I'm too busy
1: watching James and the Giant Peach.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. If, if you could tell me where I could find James and the Giant Peach, now that's something that is a fever dream. You're right. You mentioned it before.
0: Yeah, yeah. isn't it weird?
1: It. So bad. It was like one of those movies that I remember when I was a kid. It was one of those movies that was just, and it was never in the, I never watched it in the house. It was always one of those DVD players in the roof of the car. It was just always sat in the back seat uh, or in the pocket behind the driver's seat and that's the only place I ever saw that movie.
0: Yeah. Next movie, Space Jam, another kid's movie. Space Jam is uh, very iconic, but I never liked it.
1: That's a hot take. Michael Jordan and Bill Murray. (laughs) That's what
2: it's And don't forget Newman is in that.
1: I remember him as the guy from Jurassic Park. The bad guy from Jurassic Park.
2: I'm going to have to look Um, this up. It's gonna kill me, but
1: it's it's Newman. Yeah, he's in there as well. Um, it's just one of those movies that, like, I think uh, it was like a cinema event almost, like the Looney Tunes being on screen for probably the biggest movie that the Looney Tunes are in, with the biggest sports person at the time, if not all time, Michael Jordan. Yeah.
0: What a weird idea! Who sat around the table and was like, "I know, let's get Bugs Bunny in a movie like with basketball players in real life." Sometimes,
1: sometimes it works. I think it did well. The that what when did Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out? Oh, uh, that was eighties, wasn't it? That was eighties, I think. Yeah, but it was. Yeah, you know, that, that's similar style of movie, the, the cartoon live action. I think this one was almost almost better than Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Space Jam. I really like Roger Addicts.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I do have a Space Jam t-shirt.
2: And you're not wearing it.
0: BRB. <laughs> Eddie's
2: showing it her up here. Yeah, come on. You gotta turn up. You gotta turn up to play. I missed out on Space Jam. It just never appealed to me as a kid and we weren't a basketball family. So I didn't really end up watching it until late primary school. It's one of those things, you know, you can't be on every on every bandwagon and pick and choose your battles.
0: Yeah, I one. never watched it really. Like, it was, I think it was on TV once, probably on like GWN Seven, and I'd like watch it, uh, you know, with the ad breaks. <laughs> um, but that was that was about it. Um, but the logo is really cool, so I got it. That's a men's T-shirt from Cotton On, but you know, pop the white long sleeves underneath, you get nineties vibes.
2: I, I absolutely, like a skater you know, late 90s, mid 90s. Yeah. Pretty sure Jonah Hill made a movie called like mid 90s that was about kids like skating. Transporting and
1: that are my two favourite movies of all time. So now I'm really keen to get to Transporting, but that and Transporting mid 90s are two greatest movies of all time. Wow.
0: What is mid 90s about? So it's about kids skating.
1: So mid 90s is Jonah Hill directed it, came out in 2018. It is a period piece, but instead of it being a period piece from, you know, like the 1800s, it's set in the 90s it's all super authentic and it's about this young this young kid he gets into skateboarding and it's it the plot is kind of slow but it really works it's just like a period you watch it you feel like you're in the 90s and it's got in oh it's just an incredible (laughs) movie you've got to watch it i i've watched it so many times
0: i'll write it down
1: yeah, that that and transporting
0: all right you guys want to go into transporting let's go into transporting okay transporting here we go so um transporting is probably yeah like the biggest one of the biggest movies to come out in 1996 um it's like what would you say like a dark comedy
1: dark comedy slightly drama I don't know
2: definitely it's it's yeah it's pretty dramatic I guess in you know the way it unfolds but it's it's not a traditional, like, you know, drama in the same way that there's, like, a political drama or, a you know, like, anything, yeah. like an actual, ser- you know, very serious um, topic. It's, you know... Well, it
1: still is a very serious topic, I guess, but it's taken so lightly.
2: Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's one of those things that's not... Um, it, it's a very, uh, you know, British film in the way that it handles that. It, it's yeah. not super, uh, this is so sad. This is very dramatic. It's quite like it's, yeah, you're right, it's dark humour. It um, I guess that's, you know, very much a, a Glaswegian way of handling it.
1: One of the better bits, or one of my favourite bits about the film is its awesome soundtrack. And I guess that opening with Lust for Life, Way you pop sort of sets up that it's such an upbeat movie, even though, like, it's an upbeat song to an upbeat movie when the scene is about them what they're robbing the TV store, aren't they?
2: That's right. And the and the, the big intro, like that's one of the most quotable uh moments. And that's something that, yeah, you haven't had to have seen the movie to know choose life, that monologue. Um uh, They just hit that out of the park, didn't they?
1: Yeah. Ewan McGregor, that's one of his standout performances. It is so yeah. good. Is
0: that what the- it's First as well.
1: I think it's probably his third or fourth major movie. He did two movies. I think that's his second or third movie with Danny Boyle as a director as well.
0: Yeah, I I'm a big fan of Ewan McGregor. I've literally talked about Ewan McGregor in a past podcast. It's coming up again, but I am a fan of him because I am. He's very versatile, and I like him because he acts in movies because he's passionate about acting, not to be in a movie like he's in star wars but he's also in these like little indie films that his friend makes that no one sees which i really like
1: yeah he's uh he's a very versatile actor did you did any of you guys see the second one
0: no
2: yeah very solid follow-up like it was never going to be as good as the first especially when it's 20 21 years apart so it's a different generation it's but it's a different take it's what a good sequel is it expands on the content material and um, and add some new stuff in there, but kind of keeps the, you know, the stuff that everyone loved about it as well, kind of the same characters. I, I feel like it's very, yeah, it's very much like a sentimental Gen X, like I oh, was growing up, you know, our time in the spotlight is done, that type of thing.
1: I think it worked really well that they could get the same actors back and they were smart enough to write a story that it was set the 20 years later when the, when the movie was filmed.
2: Yeah, it was pretty fresh. It was a solid effort, but you never going really to get to the, same highs as that first one you know, reached. Yeah, it's just one of those movies. The first time you watch it, it's a bit of a moment where you're like oh my god. Oh, That's how I thought anyway. I think I first watched it when I was 16 or something and that's when you know, you're know starting to form an idea of what you like and you know that kind of thing you're in, and that was, not that I'm a heroin addict Identity! <laughs> yeah I was going to say it's a bit of an identity thing but oh, I don't know, it's just very quotable, very enjoyable film I mean that oh, moment yeah. when they're in the nightclub, and uh, I think it's Atomic by Blondie's playing. It's like a cover of Atomic, and he sees Diane like across the room, and it was like that is one of my favorite scenes ever. And then like yeah. he gets, it, you know, they're talking at the front, and he gets in the cab, and it kind of shows you where all their nights end up. But you know what a song to use as well.
1: The soundtrack works so well in Sonia. so many spots. It's like that yeah. Last for Life at the start, and then um. Born Slippy to end the movie out?
2: Yeah, I was about to say that's, oh, and any time you're out and you hear Born Slippy, it's like, you know, you have your own little Renton moment. Yeah. It's closure and it's oh, so good. Every moment of that movie that's kind of got, you know, the tracks going on in the background or even the foreground, it's just so, it just works so well, you know, like the worst toilet in Scotland and all that. And, and, you know, It's just marvellous. That's all there is to it.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's um. Which one of you is getting the um train spotting tattoo?
2: That's
1: me. I'm waiting for the tattoo shops to open. I've um, I've been putting it off. I was meant to get it at the start of the year and I put it off. But I've I've now picked that it's a train spotting tattoo I want. Oh I'm, I'm looking at getting like a just a really simple sort of design but I want Renton from the scene where they actually go out train spotting and, they, and they're all standing around and he's like got the bottle of gin or whatever it is it's just that that's probably one of the high points of the movie as well I think
2: yeah. just yelling into the wind it's one of those movies you know it's funny you mentioned the name train spotting because I'm pretty sure Noel Gallagher um, like they're like oh, do you want to be in the soundtrack he's, he's like the um, songwriter of Oasis, you know, who were probably the biggest yeah. band of the '90s in the UK by a long yeah. stretch, and at, this is at the peak of Britpop, you know, where it's like Oasis are, set, you know, playing 250,000 people in a field somewhere, and and you know, because Blur are on it, and a lot of other those '90s bands are on it, but they go to him, you know, oh, no, would you like to be in, you know, feature on this movie? He goes Train spotting. He's like, that sounds so boring not interested like he took it literally like it just went straight over his head and he was probably you know on another planet as well like let's be real. bit and i think he'll admit to that it's always something that I was like train spotting what does train spotting got to do with it? it
1: doesn't really have a lot to do with it except for that one thing oh,
2: yeah i heard somewhere it's a reference to like one of the more visual effects of heroin when like there's all these little black dots oh uh, yeah yeah like, yeah like it's kind of you know I think a little similar to when you stand up really quick and you're like doesn't yeah, oh, right. that. I think it's similar to that.
0: Oh like me with iron deficiency. So <laughs> you just stand up and it's like I know exactly what they're going through.
1: <laughs> it's an incredible movie. That's all that yeah. I'm I'm pretty much with transporting how Eddie is with Romeo and Juliet. Astounding movie.
2: Yeah. I yeah. oh, I feel I think transporting for me, uh, I couldn't say this about Romeo and Juliet as much as I love it. Transporting is an easy, like top three favourite movies, like I can watch it anytime. It's one of the first movies I show people as well. It's like, what are we watching tonight? It's like, let's watch this. Have you like, seen this? That, yeah. Yeah. When I was thinking about music, um, you know, to kind of jump between the two, um, Romeo and Juliet's another one that has a bloody good soundtrack that's like peak 90s type thing. I mean, one of the more obvious ones is um, Talk Show Host by Radiohead. When it's like, Leonardo DiCaprio is like on the beach. It's like his little character introduction. And there's just this really like mellow lo fi Radiohead track. And it's just kind of like, you know, that was another moment when you're 16, you kind of discover Radiohead, all <laughs> the losers at home. Um, so that, that, that was that one
1: kind of that
2: scene where they're on the You go. No, no, go. On, that's all right.
1: Oh, I was going to say that scene where they're on the beach, like just before the party and they and they do the pills. That's the scene you're talking about,
2: yeah? Uh no, that that's oh. one that I was gonna bring up. But this is like when he's like writing in his diary and he's just like punching a dart. It's quite good. But that one you're talking about where they they take the E and they go to the party. It's like young hearts run free. Yeah. yeah. Just that's manic. It's like so hedonistic and I think Mickey show is like in drag, but it, it's yeah so sick.
1: Awesome scene, but that's the only thing in that movie that I think kind of ru- not ruins it, but I never under well never understood because you know they fall in love with the Pie the Masquerade ball in the play. In the movie, I saw it just as Leo was on a pretty massive come down and he's just seen a really cool fish and he just falls in love with this really cool fish. And then it turns out it's actually Juliet.
2: Yeah. That's so funny. I was thinking about that. I'm like he falls in love with the while high on MDMA. It's kind of like... And you know, it's one of those things that's a very, like... Yeah. It makes you fall in love with people.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Maybe that was, like, a, an actual thing. Maybe it was supposed to be a nod to the whole love is a drug thing.
2: Yeah, that's that's a really good take, like, love is a drug. But I was thinking about it, it as, like, by the time all the events wrap up, they're kind of two days. It's like, you'd only yeah. just be coming off that. So it's kind of it's like it was a lot of like irrational decisions made under the influence of narcotics but that's always one thing that struck me with that movie <laughs> yeah like of course they're making these crazy calls like we're gonna run away together and that kind of thing it's just on another planet but yeah
1: good movie nonetheless
2: oh I, no it doesn't take away from it at all it I anything mean, it adds to it for sure it's it's definitely food for thought especially you know as we come into a day and age of clubbing and partying and you know, Access to that kind of stuff—it definitely makes you think.
0: Well, thank you guys for coming on to the podcast today. Um, it was a good chat. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me. It's my second time on the podcast. It's been good fun.
2: Thanks for having me. Nah, no, thanks, Penny. Really appreciate that, and that was a good chat.
0: Thank you so much to my guests, Lachlan and Eddie. This episode of Switched On was hosted and researched by me, Penny Watt, edited by Jane McLucas and produced by Adity Cutie. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and TikTok at Swin Journalism, Instagram at Swinburne Journalism or check out our website at theswinstandard.net. Thanks for listening.